0: Hello and welcome to Secondhand Film Critics, your favorite source for mildly pretentious, semi-uneducated, and highly unqualified opinions on movies. I am one of your hosts, Kayla, and I am with our co-host,
1: Noah, uh, are we keeping with the ASMR? um, Yeah, trying to be very the whole uh, time.
0: Very relaxing. Could you imagine talking about Die Hard in ASMR? One of my favorite parts was when the building exploded. Boom! Here, wait. Let's make an explosion sound.
1: Look! Look at that sound design. (laughs) That's
0: not an explosion, but
1: it's it's a crackling. Um, well, if you couldn't tell, it's that time of year again. The holiday season is upon us. Ho,
0: ho, ho!
1: Yep. Um, (laughs) indeed. Uh, we've got three holiday episodes this year, Uh, and we're really excited about all of them. I think they're all really unique, so that's kind of fun.
0: We'll be reviewing some holiday movies later in another episode, but for now... We're kicking off the season by talking about a movie that we've never seen. Noah, can you tell us what the series of We've Never Seen is?
1: Uh, I can do just that. It is a series where we watch a movie that both of us have never seen. Usually this is a movie that is popular. And most people will have seen at this point in their lives, but for some reason, we just haven't.
0: When we say, we've never seen this movie, they're always like, oh my god, you've never seen this movie? That's crazy! So that's what this series is about.
1: Anytime someone asks if we've seen something and the answer is no, then we do a movie. No. But this is a big one. Um, We've done some big ones in the past, but I think this is probably uh one of the, one of the bigger ones we've done
0: bigger blockbuster ones
1: yeah i would yeah. say this is die hard from 1988 uh so a late 80s classic
0: and now you're probably wondering or thinking at this moment noah kayla why is this included in your christmas series <laughs> we'll talk about that um yeah this movie is very controversial in that market is it a christmas movie is it not and we'll be Mm. discussing that but we are including it in the christmas series you're welcome i mean
1: it's like a little debate to get your your holiday season started
0: yeah why not
1: because the the holiday season is all about arguments
0: so this movie is directed by john mctiernan who directed Mm -hmm. Predator, which you haven't seen that, have you? No. Okay, I haven't either. Uh, wow,
1: we can do a whole series on his movies.
0: <laughs> so before we get too much into all the nitty gritty details, let's read a synopsis uh, so that we kind of know what we're talking about when we get into it. Yep, do, yep. do you want to read it or you want me to read it?
1: I'll read it because I haven't read it yet, so okay. it's always fun to see if I mess up. All right, here's a synopsis of Die Hard. John McClane, an NYPD detective, is visiting his wife and kids in Los Angeles for Christmas. While at his wife's workplace Christmas party, 13 German terrorists break into the company to steal millions of dollars, holding the party goers hostage, except for dot 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 John McClane. McClane sneaks around the building, taking out terrorists and communicating with the police. Will Hans Gruber get the upper hand and steal the money, defeating McLean in the process? Or will McLean, barefoot and unarmed, save the day and Christmas?
0: <laughs> so there's a lot going on here. Uh, yeah. Fast paced, lots of action. So let's kind of talk about it a little bit.
1: Die Hard is based on Roderick Thorpe's. 1979 novel it's what's the name of it here
0: it's called uh, nothing lasts forever
1: which is the question i was asking myself while watching this movie Uh, 20th century fox purchased the rights to this book before it was even written and then they started developing on it eight years later so they they waited they waited a lot
0: uh so jeb stewart was the one who was the actual screenwriter He was Mm -hmm. working 18 hours a day to get this done, which is so Mm -hmm. wild to me because when you read about it, so much of the movie, like multiple main portions of the movie, including the ending, were not decided until they were actually on set filming and yeah. a lot of it was improvised, a lot of the lines. So what was
1: he writing? So like what, what t- was what he was...
0: writing for 18 hours a day? Like, this, this poor man. So there's this story here that he was very exhausted, obviously, from these 18-hour work days. Someone get this man in the union. He had an argument with his wife over how hard he was working, I'm sure. Uh, you know what other movie has arguments like this? The Christmas Shoes. Um (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. sneak in there. Uh we'll be uh collabing with our good friends the Real Boys again on their podcast, Godfellas, which you can look for coming soon in December, where we talk about the Christmas shoes. Anyway, uh so he goes for a drive and accidentally hit a large refrigerator box on the road. It turned out to be empty, so I guess he had thought there would be a refrigerator in it, which would definitely be a way to die. But the encounter triggered a near-death experience for him, and that helped him to reconcile with his wife. And then he wrote 35 pages that night, and that helped him to come up with the narrative core of the film.
1: About, like, a man trying to reconcile with his wife, which, I mean, is kind of, like, not always the f- full point, but, you know, like, yeah, it's a little part in there. Yeah, it's in there,
0: in there um, which is funny, because I feel like that's also, like, a very big movie trope, so it's interesting yeah. that, like, this was the revelation that he had, because this is a trope that happens a lot, Um, but, you know, we'll take it. So he finished it in June of 1987 on a Friday, and it was greenlit on Saturday. So good for him, I guess. Hopefully he took a good nap after that. Yeah. So John McClane, which is the main role, was offered to a lot of people. Um, Schwarzenegger, Mm -hmm. who I could see in this role. Sylvester Stallone, Clint Eastwood. Could you imagine Clint Eastwood playing this role?
1: With a cowboy hat on.
0: Harrison Ford, Burt Reynolds, Paul Newman, James Cain. And...
1: That could be James Cahn's second Christmas movie. Yeah, *This and Elf*. The 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 two good, big ones.
0: Good night. Um. So then Bruce Willis, who initially declined the role, came back uh because his schedule kind of cleared up, and and they uh put him on it.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: And they paid him five million dollars, which is also that was yeah. kind of unheard of at the time, and so.
1: Yeah, they paid him a lot. Uh they said they needed like an everyman, which I think makes I mean now it's hard because he's such a big star, but then it worked. Uh but he'd only been in one other movie and it wasn't like a big action movie. So it was a big a big risk. Yeah. But then like you said, a lot of the story was written like while they were filming Stephen E. D. Sousa. Um, not to be confused with John Phillips Sousa. Um, <laughs> he did some rewrites. <laughs> um, the the scene of McLean and Gruber meeting on the roof, which I actually think is one of the better scenes. He yeah, wrote I that agreed. when he heard Alan Rickman doing an American accent, which honestly wasn't a great American accent. No, but, it
0: wasn't. <laughs> uh,
1: the writers like were like, "Oh, this would be a cool thing to throw in there." Yeah,
0: which worked. You know, good for them. They improv a lot of big lines in this too, and. The final ending. So it's like, you know what? We'll give them a hand. Good job. Clap, pat, clap, clap pat, pat on the back. I was trying to say pat on the back and I said clap on the back. <laughs>
1: hats off instead of hats off. Um, I, got, I got The film it, yeah. was released in July of 1988 and it had low expectations, but it earned 7.1 million wow. uh, on opening weekend. And then by end, it earned about 140 million. Uh, at the end of its run uh reviews were mixed they liked the design directing like but i think there there was like controversy like the lack of emotion in depth which i mean you know i can see um it was nominated for film editing visual effects and then both sound effects and sound which now are one category so that's always fun uh it didn't win any of them though so um in the studio's eyes die hard they considered it a huge success on account of the profit i mean there was a 20 it was a 25 to 35 million dollar budget so that's a huge turn in in profit they made four sequels ton of merchandising and by 1997 it was estimated that 36 million dollars was made from rentals alone
0: wow that's a lot uh
1: today it's seen as one of the best action films of all time and one of the most influential influential films of the 1980s going on to inspire filmmakers such as brad bird and barry jenkins wow and then in 2017 uh, it was selected by the united states library of congress to be preserved in the national film registry for being culturally historically or aesthetically significant which is a theme with a lot of these we've never seen so i feel like a lot of them yeah
0: later in the national film registry which is pretty cool so we're we're hitting the big guys
1: yeah the the big time <laughs> gosh that's diehard
0: yep it is yep.
1: um some fun facts
0: we got a couple in here yeah
1: you want to read off one that you think is particularly interesting
0: um i do yeah um okay. i added this one the costume department had 17 undershirts in various stages of degradation on hand for bruce willis to wear uh because mm. throughout the movie obviously he gets like gored up uh, in yeah. two thousand seven, Willis donated, I guess, one of the undershirts to the Smithsonian Museum.
1: Wow, good, good for, good for the Smithsonian. Mm-hmm. One thing I thought was cool was that the director he wanted uh O to Joy to be a big part of this of the movie because of Clockwork Orange. And the, the uh, composer was like, no, you can't have Ode to Joy because that's a happy thing. But they become compromised, and they actually used two songs from Clockwork Orange, which was Ode to Joy, Singing in the Rain. And then they also had Winter Wonderland and Let It Snow, and the score references all four of those songs like throughout the 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 film like you can hear it in little motifs mm-hmm. and stuff so that's kind of cool.
0: Uh here's a fun fact for you Noah.
1: Wow, really?
0: So when John McClane was running through the glass in his bare feet cuz he was barefoot the whole movie and Alan Rickman's character noticed this when they met and he had one of his gangsters uh shoot up the glass so that Bruce Willis would have to run across the glass. So Mm -hmm. he was wearing special rubber shoes that were designed to look like his bare feet, which we had seen multiple times in the film already. So, like, you would know it wasn't someone else's bare feet. Well, I don't know if you would, but I would assume you would want it to match. And you can notice it if you look very closely at his feet because they appear quite unnaturally large in some of the crucial scenes.
1: Oh, man, what a slip up
0: yeah i thought that would be a fun a fun fact to share
1: yeah so next time you guys watch this look look at bruce willis's feet <laughs> is what we're trying to say um <laughs> uh, and then the other one i'm gonna mention is alan rickman the stunt uh like when he falls at the climax of the movie falls out of the building there's gonna be spoilers in this by the way uh he was <laughs> yeah, he was dropped uh a somewhere between 20 and 70 feet there's like conflicting accounts which is like a big gap, but I mean, twenty feet is still a far ways to fall. Yeah. Uh, and he had to fall backwards onto like a blue screen airbag, right. which is something even a lot of stuntmen try to avoid like to fall directly onto that. Yeah. And then they told him that he would be dropped on the count of three. But then they actually dropped him earlier to make it look like he was surprised. So Oh
0: my god, I would be so mad. They
1: convinced him to do this big stunt and then they even and
0: and, and the very first scene that he shot was when he was like jumping over something and he like really screwed up his knee and uh. so all the scenes he was on crutches for a week while filming Jeez. and all the scenes that were he was up there with bruce willis he was Mm. not even standing on his leg he had like a splint and everything under his pants and so i thought that was crazy that they also were like uh sure we'll go ahead with this stunt as well (laughs) like
1: just fall 20 feet buddy it's okay Alan Rickman, going all out.
0: And this was his first film, too. Like, he had only... Our first American wow, really? film. Like, he had only okay, previously yeah, yeah. been doing kind of stage shows and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So...
1: You can kind of tell. Like, I mean, he always kind of has a stage persona anyway. Yeah. You can just tell that he's used to more of a stage. I think he yeah. has a great performance. But, like, he has a definite different, different on-screen presence than, like, Bruce Willis, which I think works for the film. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, any other thing you wanna say before we jump right into the, no, I'm the good. review? Let's
0: let's roll. Let's let's take a quick ad break and we'll be back with all our very wise and smart thoughts.
1: On Die Hard.
0: Yeah. I was trying to do a radio, and then I couldn't think of, like, a... A station. Thanks for tuning in.
1: W-D-I-E-H-A-R-D, um, 1988. Uh, Die Hard. So, we both watched this movie. (laughs) Thankfully. We did. (laughs) We watched it all the way through all
0: right let's go let's go let's get some thoughts um initial reaction walking away from the movie describe your experience in three words
1: um oh three words okay let me think
0: all right i'll go okay <laughs> um yeah i don't actually have any either okay i'll say i'll say fun
1: oh that was one of mine
0: <laughs> boom and nice
1: <laughs> okay
0: literally i picked the most uninteresting words ever
1: <gasps> enjoyable long and colorful
0: okay those are a little better than my words um yeah i this is really not my kind of movie i'm not normally an action movie person I can get into some action movies. So I didn't really know what to expect going into this one, but I enjoyed it. I didn't disenjoy yeah. it, Um, obviously, since I enjoyed it. No, I thought it was fun. It definitely had a little bit more going on than a regular action movie in some of the sequences, I thought. Yeah. There were a lot of high intensity. You could tell that they were trying to build stress some tropes that had been used before that you're kind of used to Mm -hmm. uh such as when he is he being bruce willis his character was in the like air ducts and you know he the the german terrorist is coming and poking his gun into each thing to feel where he is and right before he gets to him he Uh. like gets called out and you're like hmm okay uh, so so
1: Every time. tropes like that,
0: um, definitely. I don't know. Maybe I've just seen more stuff that was influenced by this movie at this point. But watching it later now, those things aren't as suspenseful as some of the scenes, uh, like when he's trying to climb down the elevator shaft to the next floor, stuff like that. I thought uh, was pretty good. Yeah, I think overall it's a fine movie. Is kind of how I walked away from it. Like i would probably mm-hmm. watch it again probably not next year uh but maybe mm. at a future christmas i would throw it on you know
1: yeah yeah uh i i think i would be definitely even more apt to watch it again if i had like someone to watch it with i don't think action movies are as fun watching yeah see i yourself. watched it
0: with uh my dad and my brother so I got okay, some dad go. commentary that more in fun. there. So it, yeah, I was about to say this would be a good party movie. Um, you know, you're having a movie mm. night with your friends, and you don't want to watch the Santa Claus or the Christmas Chronicles mm. too. It's like, what can we watch that's kind of Christmas but not too Christmas? Die Hard.
1: Exactly. Yes. Um, I would agree pretty much with everything you said. I think there was definitely like a part during the middle where i was like okay why are what's gonna happen next because like it it, dra- it was like getting a little a little samey but then uh it picks up definitely in the third act and there are some like interesting things that happen that uh, can keep my attention more than other action movies like you were saying even cinematography wise like i thought that there was a really nice color palette uh, which I usually don't see in movies like there was a lot of like yeah. purples and and reds a lot of lens flares i was like i did jj Abrams direct oh this my gosh. movie <gasps> but i definitely i thought that it was well put together i can't tell if the four... cuz i going in i mean i know kind of stuff about it like you know it's the building you know the t- like you kind of know basic things um and i don't know if it's cuz i knew that but the foreshadowing felt a little heavy-handed in the beginning. Like yeah. he goes up in the, he gets in the building, and they're like, "Yeah, some of the floors are not built oh, yet. Yeah, uh, yeah. They're on the top floor." I'm like, "Okay, yeah. all right." <laughs> like he's seeing like the maps and everything. I'm like this is gonna come up yeah. later. Um, but it's fun. It's well put together.
0: I one thing that I really appreciated about it that for me is important in action movies is having comic relief. I think that really helps break up the action portions and makes it more fun. And I think one of the things that made this movie seem so fun to me as opposed just to a regular drama action is having those side characters of the limo driver and the sergeant and his whole thing with the Twinkies, like that kind of stuff. It doesn't take up too much time and I think in a way it supports the story really well because it helps you kind of come out of the suspense a little bit and give you sort of Mm -hmm. a relief breather and be like, oh yeah, like, haha, this guy's still sitting in the parking garage with this big stuffed animal and you kind of laugh about it and then you're like, all right, we're right back in to the action sequence. So I think that uh, was a major benefit to the film as a whole.
1: And somehow it feels a lot more natural than like a Marvel movie, where those it feels like they have like separate writers where they're like, Okay, we got a joke here. Y- yes. And we got our joke. Yes, like here.
0: very scripted, produced, overproduced jokes. It didn't feel like that. Yeah, you're totally yeah. right. I will say too, on that same line, one of the things I liked best about this movie as well, probably one of the things I was thinking the most often during the movie was how, even if it was improv how natural the dialogue felt for this kind of movie. Because a lot of times you watch movies like this and they're fighting, or this person, this character is very exasperated, but they're kind of just like leaning on a wall being like, oh man, this is so hard. Like, you know, they're not really saying anything. <laughs> but Bruce Willis the whole time yeah, yeah, yeah. is like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm in this situation, and he's, like, fighting the guys and, like, dropping F-bombs left and right, and it's, like, this feels like what would be happening in real life in this situation, like, the kind of throwaway dialogue that was coming out of his mouth in conversation with the sergeant and just his little thoughts to himself where he's, like, hanging off the side of the building and he's, like, how did I get into this position, Like, stuff like that is stuff I feel like a real person would say, opposed to, you know, these other studio blockbuster actions where, you know, they punch and they're just like, huh, huh, huh. And it's like, okay, no one, like, I know y'all are using the F-bomb in real life. (laughs) Like, don't be messing with me. I know. Um,
1: Use the audio. So,
0: yeah, I I think that was one thing. Uh, Probably one of my favorite things about this movie specifically.
1: And I think it helps, too, that Alan Rickman is actually, like, a pretty big character. And he's given stuff to do that isn't just, like... He's not just, like, a terrorist that doesn't have... Like, I feel like a lot of movies, they have, like, the head terrorist main character. It's, like, such a trope now. But I think that he's he actually had personality. I agree. And things to say that actually made the scenes of him in his, like, office, if you want to call it that, like, interesting. Because, like, it's just it, interesting to see his reactions and hear his um his chemistry with Bruce Willis. I think they had a good chemistry. And, yeah, it all felt very realistic rather than forced.
0: I wish that we would have gotten more, like, heist, which is just a me thing. Um, I think it would have shaken mm. up some of the action a little bit because, like you said, this movie is very long. And I think a lot of it is rewarding, but I think there's also a lot of scenes that are like, this is dragging on a bit. We don't really need this. Or it felt like the same repeated, you know, the Germans come in and there's a bunch of gunfire and he's mm. running away. And and that takes up a lot of the stuff. And I think um, pretty much the only heist stuff we got is the guy on the computer just being like, type, 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 type. Where we at, man? They're yeah, just he's typing. Like, I got the (laughs) fifth one disengaged. And it's like that didn't feel like it didn't feel exciting enough to me to the point where um, the terrorists felt rushed for time because obviously they're working under this Mm. schedule, but there were points where they're like, oh, we need to get the detonators back and we need to do this. And like, we have to have this right on time, Mm. but they didn't feel rushed for time because they weren't actively doing anything heist related besides this guy kind of just typing on a computer if that makes sense no like i felt I like there could have been an added kind of stuff for because you have the scenes originally where they first come in and they're cutting down the tubes and they're doing the wires and they're kind of spreading out and it's like why do you need all these guys like what are they doing any of them serve a purpose besides walking around with a gun. Like I just think it could have been more interesting on the terrorists, like the conflict with the terrorists.
1: Their plan, I think, could have been better laid out. I just don't think their plan was very interesting. Yeah,
0: to me. I I agree because, like you said, the ter- the main terrorist, Alan Rickman's character, um, Hans, he you know, had all these things that he was saying like, oh, that's just what I want. I want the FBI to come. I want this to happen because of this. But it kind of felt like he was telling you or over explaining after the fact. Like, I wish we could have known some of those things or had them more fleshed out um, because when they kind of asked for demands, he gave all these, you know, names or whatever. And I thought that was funny and clever, but then you didn't see a lot more of that. And so I kind of wish, yeah, we would have some more more kind of info we could have gotten to make that a little more interesting.
1: It w- there wasn't much clarity on, like, the details. It felt like they were saying, like, oh, we're one step ahead of them, but we don't really know what, how they're one step ahead of them because we really don't know the plan very well. It's just, like, they want to get the money. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's, I think that could have definitely been better. And I think they do a good job building suspense in the f- terms of all the scenes with bruce willis because i think those are well done but i think it could have like added a lot more suspense if we had even like a bigger picture of everything um and then they kind of have to add in like an extra layer of suspense because there isn't really a big like thing with the plan they have to kind of do the damsel in distress ending because that's the only way they can get extra suspense i like and i know it's annoying that they had to do that i do think it was well set up with the picture frame that was one of like the that was like a cool like payoff, um, but I mean it's obviously a little overdone at this point.
0: Yeah, I agree with all of that. Um, so out of all the action sequences, there's a lot in this movie. Hmm. I mean, it's just action after there action. There are a lot. Um, which was your favorite action sequence? I don't.
1: I I did like like some of the final fights he had. because I, I think they're more the most fun when he's like at the end of his role yeah i think those are really fun i did really like the scene which it wasn't really like an action sequence but the when they dropped the c4 down the elevator yeah, shaft, I that like was i just really thought fun. that I just looked really cool you know all the ex- you gotta love the explosions yeah i thought there was just a lot of visually int- like they just look everything just looked cool i think it wasn't the fact that like maybe the choreography was like fine you know it wasn't like insane but they did a good job making things look cool, especially for 25 to $35 million yeah.
0: budget. Yeah, I think one of the things that I didn't like um, or maybe was a little more confusing was they used a lot of these kind of back rooms and like weird control rooms and computer rooms and it was kind of hard to tell where they were in the building and kind of what was happening, yeah, like the main recognizable places were um the office that they were originally in, where Hans shot mm-hmm. the c e o um because that was kind of like had the recognizable doors with the blood on them as well, and I think that Yeah, it just was hard once they were kind of in the tunnels and in these back stairwells and stuff. I was like, are they on the 32nd floor or are they on the 7th floor? Are we in the basement? Like, where are we? And and kind of just with the building. I don't know how they would have really corrected that as much. Maybe someone on the walkie-talkie saying we're on whatever floor or the elevator showing you. Yeah
1: wasn't a good geography yeah, which
0: made it hard to follow
1: um like i thought maybe well i think at one point i was like okay so he's probably pretty close to the office right now and then next scene he's on the roof yeah like, okay yeah. i guess we're on the roof like like now. it's just
0: hard to track with um in terms of which makes it kind of confusing because a lot of the movie is them wondering where he is and you as the viewer wants to be like i know where he is um, so that you kind of feel more secure in him being away from them, but you don't even know where he is. So you're like, it leaves more right. unease, which I don't think they necessarily meant to do. Like, it didn't feel yeah, like I motivated agree. unease, if that makes sense.
1: What did you think of like the other, like the the subplot? I guess I mean it's more like just the second half of the movie, but it's like a whole, not- a whole like thing. With the LAPD, them being outside, and, like, the walkie-talkie communication
0: um, thing. Yeah, cops are idiots. Um, <laughs> and that was, this is exactly how I imagine real situations to go. Um, where one person is just trying to be like, look at how big my dick is. Like, that's just how I imagine those things going. Like, these people have been waiting for this all their lives, but they don't actually know how to do it. And these ter- terrorists clearly also know that same playbook because they're playing right into the hands of the terrorists. And I think it works mm-hmm. in this context um, in some ways. But I also am like, this whole, okay, this guy's really dumb, but then this, like, sergeant is actually super smart, um, I, I don't think worked as well as they wanted it to work, where... He was, like, on the walkie-talkie, you know, with him. I, uh, there's just a lot that I'm like, it doesn't really make sense. And then the FBI guys kind of came in. And I don't know much about real FBI guys, but I do know that FBI people are smarter than cops because they go through so much more rigorous training and usually, like, law school and everything. So I, I feel like these guys would not have come in like that. So it kind of felt like they were doing the same trope with the FBI guys as they were with the police head of the police department, and so I felt like Mm -hmm. it didn't work once you had both of them there. If that makes sense, I don't know if that makes sense or not.
1: No, yeah, because like you were, you think maybe like, oh, cool, the FBI guys are gonna come, and then it's all gonna—they'll probably kick this idiot out and we'll be fine uh but then they're kind of just playing the exact same yeah role. and
0: they were the same kind of asshole you know sort of guys and i almost wish that like they would have come in and been smart and still gotten blown up like it just felt yeah, like good. they were doing the same role to an extreme and it made it less interesting. And then, you know, you, you saw, yeah, I, I have a lot of thoughts that I'm just not going to say. Um, but, yeah, I, I wasn't a fan of the police, any of the police stuff uh, besides the sergeant.
1: I think that it, I think they could have definitely done more with him having communication on the outside. Because yeah. it just felt like they didn't, it didn't really add anything about frustration. Like, he didn't really get any help from them.
0: Yeah, which I think was kind of the point was for him to, or for the viewer to feel like it was strung out, but I think they overplayed that card, because we kind of Mm. got the strung out thing when they weren't listening to his original calls, and I I think the police storyline kind of detracted um, from the action, but... I mean, I I get what they were trying to do, but I don't think it worked as well as the rest of the movie. I will say, I don't understand... Maybe you can help me out here. I don't understand how their communication worked. um, Because, obviously, they're all on the same line, right? Because, (laughs) at times, they're on the same line, so... The terrorists can hear everything that John and the sergeant are saying. Why aren't they stopping him from saying these things? I mean, they're having, the sergeant and John are having these long, like, two to three minute conversations that are, like, giving emotional depth to the movie, I guess. And Mm -hmm. Hans and the rest of his team are all just like, okay, like, shrug it off, not commenting on it at all. I just like didn't that confused me while I was watching it. Yeah, I had a, a few questions.
1: And maybe like I missed something that, that sometimes they would use it where they were like kind of then they cut into the conversation like wait I heard that and you're like oh so I guess they were listening. Um, I just don't understand what if if at some points they couldn't hear them why were they just like if was it a walkie talkie channel they could have just kind of moved to. Um, I don't know. It that was that was weird. Um, like, were they listening to the whole conversation where he was like, "Tell my wife that I'm sorry." Right, right, right. They're like right, were they just li- right. in there listening in the in the office, just like.
0: Well, and like tears in their yeah, eyes, like man, this yeah, is. Yeah, there. <laughs> I was that just the logistics of that specific plot line or plot piece was very confusing to me.
1: Yeah, I agree. I did like Al. I thought his portion of the movie was fun.
0: Who was who's at who is Al?
1: The the police officer. Okay, yeah. The uh, other one on the walkie-talkie. I thought he was fun. I thought he added another like he added a good element of like comedic relief. I think. Yeah. Or just like another personality to the movie that good was good
0: old Sergeant Al.
1: Yeah, he was just a little different. He had a different vibe. And
0: I think it was very smart of them to establish him in that way in the first place because the first time we meet him is him buying those donuts in the shop and Hostess you cakes, kind yeah. of are laughing about it because that's a trope that's played for cops and he's like, oh, it's, it's for my pregnant wife and you know it's not. Um, but you're, you know, so you're already kind of laughing at him and being like, oh, this guy is kind of dumb. You know, or he just, like, doesn't care about his job, or maybe, you know, he's the cop that they send to do these things, and he obviously later shows, you know, he has a lot more depth to his character, but I think it was a major Mm -hmm. win to establish him as someone you like from the beginning.
1: I agree. I think he's a very, he was a very likable character, and I think, I mean... John McClane, I think, is a likable character, but I think that he's likable in a different way. Yeah, uh, I agree. I agree. Um, so it's like a nice, a nice uh, counter.
0: There, there. It's a, it's of a coin. romance.
1: It is a great. I mean, when they see each other at the end and they like embrace, I'm like, man, this could be a great. Yeah, plot twist like you right know,
0: here. you know that they're gonna be friends forever because they shared this traumatic experience. So
1: yeah, that is how it works. Um, that's how. Um, jeb stort was with the refrigerator box
0: yeah right um, i i thought friends for life i thought that their relationship and their storyline was much more compelling than him and the wife
1: yeah though i that was a we- that that didn't work it's for so me hard well.
0: because they established from the get-go that their marriage is very complicated and they're not really in love anymore, but they have kids, um or maybe mm-hmm. they both still hold some kind of love for each other, which I guess we see at the end when they have this near death experience.
1: but I feel like they just like they have to have it, it for the movie to work. But.
0: Yeah, and I felt like it was kind of just like I thought her character was fine. um, I thought that she was brave um you know she approached the boss and she knew that her kids you know she had to get home to her kids and she knew that it was John and I thought she did a good job and I thought apart from what you said you know the whole playing into the damsel in distress uh piece I thought her character was fine Mm -hmm. but it's Mm -hmm. like she would have been a fine character without them being in a relationship too like, their relationship didn't really hold any weight within the storyline or any real conflict apart from then Hans finding out that it was John McClane's wife.
1: Right, but it could have just been, like, her, his sister.
0: Yeah, like, it really could have been, like, their relationship I just didn't care about, whereas I'm like, I need him to get out and meet out. Like, you know, it was yes, like, get with the sergeant! Yes. <laughs> Like we just yes. want to protect their their buddy film, their you know bro bros, and yeah, I just think uh you kind of got to pick or choose at this point, especially when it's like the screenwriter was saying that this was like the the holding narrative the core. narrative core of the story, and it's like it's not. It's about this broken man who really doesn't want to be the savior, and he kind of has to be because he's put in this position and feels like it's his place and then he meets this guy on the outside who really is being his emotional support and kind of the backbone of the everyman and being like yeah like you're gonna be okay buddy and i think that's where you really see um the emotions come into play and like kind of just throw the wife out of there
1: yeah, the only time it it matters is in the scene where he's like, "Say sorry to my wife," which I think could have been. Li- you could just replace that with any other emotional core. Yeah, you could any uh, any other plot beat, any other beat there would have worked. And I think um,
0: it, one of the only reasons that there could have been any sort of emotional pull towards the end with the wife is because of the kids. You're like, "Oh gosh, no, not the kids on the TV." Like, why is the reporter mm-hmm. putting these poor children on TV? And, like, you're kind of thinking about that rather than even their relationship.
1: Yep. It just didn't need to be there. Um, or it needed to be better to actually mean anything to me because I really didn't care.
0: Can we talk about, before we before we wrap up our thoughts, can we talk about the final um, helicopter sequence with, like, all the explosions? Sure, yeah. Because uh, they actually did all those explosions. Um, all the yeah, uh, like mm-hmm. it wasn't you know cgi'd or anything. Like they actually blew up helicopters.
1: Um, and I mean, it. I think I read it took like six months of planning. Yeah, which is and then a it, lot two of hours months. of filming. <laughs> so it's a lot of prep.
0: Do you think that was a good payoff? Like where the, you're kind of leading up to this whatever big moment, and the big moment is kind of that they're using this you know explosion to distract
1: i think so um it's hard because it's like i would have maybe rather had something to do with the building because the building was like the main character almost like one of the characters yeah Uh, or at least i felt like that's what they were trying to do yeah um but i think it was good and i think i mean helicopters are always fun uh to do (sighs) Uh i mean they were flying those low too like in some of those shots they were like
0: yeah i think i kind of it's it's one of those things that you see it and you're like oh cool and then like once you actually <laughs> think about it you're like eh, i don't know that it worked but it looked cool like
1: <laughs> it did look cool it did look cool which i think is the big thing with this movie Where like you know maybe it doesn't always like technically work on an emotion on like an emotional or maybe even uh like if you think about it too much level yeah but like you're watching and you're like oh man that was a that was a cool looking scene yeah that was nice um which i mean is totally fine if that's what you want i think it's definitely like you said fun to to watch and especially with um a group like you said i mean you just like watching these crazy action sequences and it's like oh man this is this is fun to watch with you guys uh and on that note would you think this would be fun to watch a a christmas party where so basically we're now going into the the christmas question
0: i here's where i'm at on this does it christmas yes is it a christmas movie because i feel like those are two different things like is it something that you watch at christmas and is it a christmas movie Do you get what I'm saying? Like, I feel like there's a difference. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's things that you watch at Christmas that are not Christmas movies.
1: So you mean, like, if you watch it at Christmas, but it's not a Christmas movie, and that it doesn't, like, have the same... It doesn't hit, yeah, like, it it doesn't
0: hit the same notes that Christmas movies do. I mean, sure, like, I would say that it could be a Christmas movie.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean especially in the beginning it's set up almost like if this was a different kind of movie like it's set up almost like any other christmas movie um like it's like a guy going to meet his wife at uh at her like they're they're like separated but he's going back to win her back at at the city it's christmas eve um it's like set up pretty similar to how a christmas movie would be set up and there's even a lot of like christmas songs yeah and decorations okay
0: so uh, i came up with another example so gremlins is not a christmas movie but it's a movie that you could watch at christmas time hmm. because it's okay. a christmas sea yeah. movie but it's not a Christmas movie.
1: Hmm. Okay. So that's so uh, that's it's a good, got I think it's that's got a...
0: Christmas vibes, and it could mm. be watched at a Christmas party. But mm. it's also a movie that you could watch in the summer. You would not watch. I would agree. Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street or Home Alone in June or July.
1: And I think Home Alone is a good example because I think Home Alone is a similar. I mean. Saying this is almost similar is weird, but it's like a similar kind of movie where it's, like, a little heisty. I mean, it's about this guy alone in a building trying to save the day. I mean, it's the same thing. Um, (laughs) But I just think Home Alone, it's obviously has different themes, and I think the themes are the big takeaway. Um, Whereas in Die Hard, I mean, I guess you could say the theme is, like, marriage. But, I mean, I don't really think there's many deep, like emotional themes which we've been already kind of saying so i think it does work to watch at christmas because there are like christmas things you can pull from it so it can be a christmas movie but it also doesn't have to be like i wouldn't
0: yeah like it, it holds a lot of similar christmas times. themes family reuniting
1: but does it though because it says it does but i doesn't really No, feel like i think it that does. it does
0: in context with like the christmas shoes like, it has well, all of the same... Okay. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I'm kidding. Okay. I'm making a joke. No, but <gasps> I think I think in some context it does. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, it is what it is to each person. If mm-hmm. someone wants to say it's a Christmas movie and watched it around Christmas, good for them. Like, go for it. And if other people are mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. this is not a Christmas movie, I only want to watch it in the summer, then it's like, okay, go for it. Like it doesn't really matter but I think the passionate debate is fun
1: I think it literally does work both ways
0: yeah
1: Um, I agree that being said I mean I do think it was clever like with the paper flying at the end that obviously was meant to be like a kind of snow yeah even though it's in Los Angeles because it doesn't yeah. snow. So it's like, uh, yeah. oh, look, it's like the well, snowy th- scene. That's a
0: good point. You're so right.
1: I was like, wow, the paper is the snow, yeah. but it's LA.
0: Yeah, so. and usually when they do scenes like that, it's like ashes or something from the explosion or pieces of the building, and it's like, oh snow. <laughs> um but yeah, the <laughs> oh, the the writers uh say it's a Christmas film. Bruce Willis says it's not a christmas film you know it could go either way but we're you know what we're it's in our christmas episode like it's a holiday yeah. movie whether or not it's necessarily fully christmas that's where i'm at
1: cool all right are the official secondhand film critics recommendation um cool uh so that's die hard we have seen it uh so we've we've uh answered we've we've answered the question of the episode so our next episode is actually not a holiday uh episode which is why we only have three this month because uh a big movie is releasing next next week kayla do you know what movie that is
0: huh i am not sure Uh. i don't know what it could be um let's see Mm. is it just saying uh it's mank uh which we've talked about a little bit before um david fincher's newest film and mm-hmm. we will be watching it and talking about it
1: we will this is the third david fincher episode we've done this year believe it or not it is because uh, we You're had a fight so right. episode david fincher ranked episode and episode. we'll, and we'll episode. definitely
0: talk about where it fits into our fincher rankings for sure
1: it's gonna be exciting i'm probably gonna rewatch citizen kane for it yeah you know, just like as a prep
0: and then later later this month, uh we've got we're going to review some 2020 Christmas movies and specials. Mm-hmm. We've got a secret episode planned that's going to be very very fun. Uh and it then will. wrapping up the month, we'll have a soul review. So, wow. we've got a great lineup coming your way. Merry Christmas yep. to you. And
1: it's all coming to you on Disney Channel. <laughs> um <laughs> um uh kayla where can they find us if they want to look at the social medias
0: anywhere uh just search us up
1: yeah twitter yeah search search
0: uh secondhand film critics and we'll pop up on all those that noah just mentioned uh hit the follow button tiktok yes
1: yeah yeah uh also subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts and if you're on apple podcasts leave us a five-star review and rating uh we would really appreciate it that can be our christmas present from you to us (laughs) Um,
0: we'll gift you with the episodes you gift us (laughs) with a five-star review not that we're begging but
1: well you know it is the season of of giving
0: Uh, until next time, I'm Kayla.
1: And I'm Noah. And, and we're, we're your second, second hand.
0: Film